Welcome, everybody, to a Wednesday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am reaching down to the nether regions of the voice to make sure it sticks around. But I've got the actual voice of the Texans right here. Mark Vandermeer. Mark, what's going on, buddy? Johnny, it's May. You can't it lose is. your voice in May. No, I don't know. I just, for some reason, it's just I'm having to bring it from from yeah. way within. Way within. Can't, can't be all throaty and everything. As long as you're ready will. for training camp. That's no, no, the main no, no, thing. No. Training okay? camp will be a It's going to be here before you know it. I'll find a way to do radio sign language if I have to. I don't know how, but I would Morse code. Beep, 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 beep. I'm I'm not missing training camp, man. No way. Is that a dated reference? Does Morse code still exist? It has to. So I was doing a luncheon earlier this week, Mm -hmm. and at the luncheon, I was making a reference to the watching a football game Mm -hmm. on a VHS tape. That's well. You were making a reference. Okay. I mean, it, but yeah, but it's like to think about that wasn't that long ago. I I mean, I had a closet full of VHS tapes that had all these college football games yeah. on, and over the years, I've been able to weed them out and get them all to a hard drive or whatever. But that doesn't seem like all that long ago. But there are kids that are listening, going, "What's a VCR? Oh yeah, what's of a VHS well, tape?" And, and for good reason, because no it didn't exist in their lifetime. It's so ridiculous. let me ask you this though: Is it? Watching film, watching tape, watching video. It's still what is watching it? film to me. It will always be watching film. Well, because that's what it was. It, it's always a generation before. I think mm-hmm. it's, the terminology is us, usually a generation late. Now it seems like watching tape is more yeah. in than watching film used to be. And I think by the time everyone was watching it on tape, people yep. were, st- were still saying watching film. Now people are watching video, meaning digitized video. Yeah. But no one's saying, I'm watching some Didge. I'm watching some Didge. <laughs> no, we're in the Didge. We're, we're in the Didge. The no, Hyundai Texas Radio Studio in it's the Didge. It's film or tape. I'm okay with either one. Yeah. Video. I, I, yeah. When you say watching video. video, it sounds like you're watching YouTube, but it's not that serious. Yeah, it doesn't. When you're watching, I'm watching video. It doesn't sound like you're studying anything. It sounds no. like. Film's got hey, look a at this. component to it. Look at the Logan Brothers, you know. <laughs> No. Hey, that's a new reference. That's pretty good for me. Yeah, that's a, that's a kid new reference. Them, so. We're going to have David Quesenberry on the show later on. Mark and I had a chance to catch up with him during media days. DP City will also join us later on as she had a tremendous article from OTAs. But yeah, that was Mark, a good little recap right there. Wait, before you go exactly. anywhere, shout out to the Rockets. Great yeah, oh, job tying it 2-2. I'm going to go without saying that. That yeah. fourth quarter, I was up in my office losing my mind mm-hmm. just I was in between math tutoring sessions. I started at 5, mm-hmm. I went to midnight, and I took a break. I was like, I got to watch the fourth quarter. So by the time Good I got quarter. to the, by the time I got to the to the television, mm-hmm. the Rockets were down 10. So I'm following the score, and I see they're down at the first, then they're up after the second. So I get on Twitter real quick and I'm like, "Wow, Harden went crazy." Were they down 10 in the fourth? They were down 10 going into the fourth. Going into the fourth. Wow. They were down by 10 going into the fourth. 80-70, if I remember correctly, yeah. and outscored them by 13 in the fourth Yeah, because it just didn't feel like, nah, it's not going to happen tonight. And then all of a sudden, they just kind of eat their way bit, back into it. A little bit. And Golden bit. State, not going to the basket, taking contested threes. You didn't make them, and sucks to be you because guess what? Game five here, and Rockets have control of the series. The other thing that jumped out to me about that one, and it plays into the football strategy as well from time to time, mm-hmm. and I don't know if they – I don't think they did it this way on purpose, but the point total was so low considering who these two teams yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you're in the 90s, I mean, that's, that's – With the, this firepower, that's these two the teams score have, with yeah. seven minutes to go, you know, in the 90s. Yep. You're expecting these games to be in the 110s, you know. Yep. But it wasn't. It was kind of a gutted out, not always pretty, mm-hmm. just survive and advance kind of game. And now game five, it's a 2-2 deal. Let's see what happens. The Rockets, to me, had to find a different way to win, and they, they did last night. 
You know how they won the game? The point total reminded me of the final series that the Warriors had with the Cavs when the Cavs won. When they were down 3-1, and they're playing games like that. They're kind of gutting out lower scoring. I can't call that low scoring. It doesn't go back to, like, the Van Gundy (laughs) days with the the Knicks versus the Heat kind of games. They are lower point totals. If you're going to play them that way... You better be able to convert when you need to. I mean, it, every possession was crucial. Hey, look, Curry had a three that could have tied the game at the very end. Oh, my gosh. They survived, I, and it's fun to watch. You're absolutely right about that. And to see James Harden, it's funny. I was listening to Mad Radio coming in, and some fan had called in and was talking about, you know, James has the well, – how do you phrase it? He's got the uh, attention span or something along those lines. He's got the energy of a 16-year-old girl or something like that. He can't stay focused. Oh, he's got the focus of a 16-year-old girl. I'm like, I don't know about that. And and, and Mike, Mike Meltzer, to his undying credit, just went off. Yeah. Mike was like, not today. Not today. Because yeah. you don't win that game without James Harden. Yeah, he didn't have a great fourth quarter. But that's why you went out and got Chris Paul. Is that James Harden is going to have a great fourth quarter all the time? Never mind what the scores. And Chris have been. Paul can have a great fourth quarter, right? Never mind what the scores have been uh, before the series. If you said two two, would you have taken it? Of course you would. Yeah, have. absolutely. In a second, absolutely. So here you are, best of three. Let's go. Because two two two, either you split both places, which means you won on the road one time, right. Or you held home court. You yeah. won twice and at home. You lost twice Which there. is what Either you need way. to do. So yeah. the Warriors have to be a little, maybe more than a little worried about this situation. Now the pressure is really on. I mean, the pressure is still on you. What am I saying? The pressure, the pressure. There's tons of pressure. It's the Western yep. Conference Finals. But, man, on them, they're supposed to do better, especially when they have a lead like that. Double-digit yeah. lead. Curry with, playing with, the way he did in the third. With victory in the crosshairs. I, mean, I just think they started to, you know, look, they jack up threes. That's what they do. When Curry hit those two in a row when they were oh. down five and went up one, I was like, oh, my gosh. But it uh, didn't work out for them at the end. Yeah, it certainly did not. Good All for right, the Rockets. So sorry to, di- to uh, get off no, on I'm a glad, tangent No, I'm glad you there. did because there was so much to talk about in that mm-hmm. game. So many guys made plays. P.J. Tucker's boards. Mm-hmm. Trevor Ariza came up with a couple of huge loose balls uh, that were great. But the three that Paul hit when it was 84, no, it was, it was 84-79. He hit three to bring it within two was massive. I mean, Chris Paul was, I mean, he was great. And then he gave, obviously, a shout-out to Santa Fe afterwards, which I was Very just nice. like, oh, Very man. Nice. But, Mark, there's big news in the NFL. Not on the field. Uh, oh, by the way, the field, uh, Texans made a trip down to Santa Fe today, so that's very cool stuff. We'll I, have more on that later. Yeah, we will. It was, it's, um, man, uh, I've seen pictures of J.J. going down to the hospitals, and obviously we've heard about him offering to pay for the funerals. It's just it's such a difficult situation. We talked about that on Friday uh, when everything uh, went down to Santa Fe, but obviously this organization doing its best to uh, – the one thing that I've realized, Mark, being in this building mm-hmm. is how much the Texans do in the community. I don't know that I ever really paid attention to that before mm-hmm. I got in the building, and obviously now I see it so much more. It's just they're out everywhere they can everywhere, possibly be. Everywhere, and it's, it's part fantastic. of the mission statement. Yeah. It's part of the mission statement. It's so really got to keep living up to that. Mark, the NFL mm-hmm. has adopted yep. a new anthem policy. Mm-hmm. And, of course – you know not everybody is going to be you know is going to be completely pleased with this. Now the NFL has come out and look we it was essentially from the Colin Kaepernick time going forward and the Colin Kaepernick was really the first athlete to protest uh at the anthem and then it sort of took off from in there. In this era. In this era. Yeah, there were there were others. Yeah. Um, I mean it dates all the way back to Mexico um, City. Tommy Smith and uh, John Carlos mm-hmm. with the black raised fists, and they they were 
they I mean that was fifty years ago. That was fifty years Jeez, ago. You're right. It's amazing to think about. Now the NFL started going. What year did they mark? It was two thousand eleven mm-hmm. when they played the anthem with the players on the field. Because prior to that, the anthem was I can't remember the year and I know it was discussed today. I and now the policy is that players are required to stand or players all team personnel. Yeah, here it is. The membership oh, this is from the policy that came from mm-hmm. the NFL. All team and league personnel on the field shall stand and show respect for the flag and the anthem. So that's me, that's Greg Grissom, that's right. Bill O'Brien, that's the team. The game operation number two, the game operations manual will be revised to remove the requirement that all players be on the field for the anthem. Number three, personnel who choose not to stand for the anthem may stay in the locker room or in a similar location off the field until after the anthem has been performed. Number four, a club will be fined by the league if its personnel are on the field and do not stand. Keep in mind, a club will be fined mm-hmm. if they do not stand or show respect for the flag and the anthem. Number five, each club may develop its own work rules consistent with the above principles regarding its personnel who do not stand and show respect for the flag and the anthem. Number six, the commissioner will impose appropriate discipline on league personnel who do not stand and show respect for the flag and the anthem. Those are the six tenets of the policy statement that came out today from the NFL. Well, look, you know how I feel about this. I think that this was bad communication on both sides from the very beginning. Yep. Because I really felt like you know, Kaepernick doing what he did and other people joining in, I felt like they were protesting some very important things, and the things they were protesting about were not being heard because when you don't acknowledge and respect the anthem and all that that stands for, then the people who take that so seriously, which is so many Americans, let's be honest here, will not hear what you're really trying to say, what you're really trying to protest about. And that, to me, is very sad because these are important things that people are protesting about that players want to draw attention to. And I think that they're not drawing attention to those things. They're drawing attention to the fact that they're not standing for the anthem, which I don't think is what they want to do. I I can't speak for the protesters, but if you want to protest something, draw attention to that thing you want to protest about, not the thing that you're doing, well, what you're doing it during, which is the national anthem. So, uh, unfortunately, I think it's just spiraled out of control in a way, and I don't know if this gets it back into control. I hope so. And I really hope that players who want to protest can find ways to do it. The clubs can certainly help them. I know the Texans have had a lot of conversations about this. Clubs can certainly help them get the word out about things that are important to them, no matter what they are. So I'm hoping that that really starts to happen more and more, and we can all get through this. Yeah, the NFLPA, and, and this is the one thing to keep in mind. There, when the NFL makes a policy statement, NFLPA, there's a collective bargaining agreement. So the NFLPA had this to say. The NFL is from the NFLPA. Their statement says the NFL chose to not consult the union in the development of this new policy. They put policy in quotes. Mm-hmm. NFL players have shown their patriotism through their social activism, their community service, and support of our military and law enforcement, and, yes, through their protests to raise awareness about the issues they care about. The vote by NFL club CEOs today contradicts the statements made to our player leadership by Commissioner Roger Goodell and the chairman of the NFL's management council, John Mayer, about the principles, values, and patriotism of our league. Our union will review the new policy and challenge any aspect of it that is inconsistent with the CBA, the collective bargaining Mm -hmm. agreement. So the NFLPA, when you hear that, you think, wow, they're not real happy with what went on. But then you get that last point. It says our union will review the new policy and challenge any aspect of it that is inconsistent with the collective In the CBA, agreement. do they have the right to make them do this? Exactly. That, yeah. That's the question that they're going to look at. Right. 
and uh, go through all the and legal fine is, print. Exactly. And, of course, everything in the NFL has to be collectively bargained, and they have mm-hmm. to see whether this is one of those things. I, the, I worry the first couple of weeks there will be almost a Where's Waldo effect, mm-hmm. as in – Okay, who's not down? Who's not down on the sideline? Well, we do that every week anyway. Yeah, right? we do now. Mm-hmm. We do. I think at I think about because you never know about week the opponent. 11, week twelve, right? I think that's when that's when it. I don't want to say it, it didn't die because there were there were still players that continued to do it, but it seemed to be a little bit more of a focus. It was almost like it was almost like a volcano in some sense. It was it kind of went it kind of went underground. There was no bubbling under the surface. It was just mm-hmm. kind of there for a little bit. And then it'll bubble up at certain times, obviously. But when it bubbles up and comes out, it ends up being like the volcano that we've seen out in Hawaii at some point. So I, I, I'm curious how the first couple of weeks will be perceived. Yeah. Will there, there will be players that stay in the locker room. Mm-hmm. Will there be some players that decide, you know what, I'm, I'm going to take a knee. What and a, then the I'm club gonna gets fined. We'll I'm going to raise how... a fist. I'm going to protest. Right. And then the club gets fined. So how, how do the clubs individually respond to that? I think this will end up being a story the first few weeks based on that and that alone. Hey, you didn't come out of the locker room for the anthem. Uh, why was that? It, you know, those kind of things. So I think it's going to continue to be a story uh, on into the beginning of 2018. And at that point, who knows what will become a story from that point forward. Well, because there's always a new story. There's yeah. always a new development. Oh, I mean, it's maybe, the NFL. With, maybe with nothing to do with this, right. but there's always a new story in the NFL. And I just wish we could find a way to make everybody happy, and I think we can, but that's for people smarter than me to figure out. Well, they right didn't invite me to the meetings, Johnny. No, I'm right there. I'm right there with you. I want everybody to play football. The game itself, it's a great game. Mm-hmm. It's a tremendous team game. It's one that I love. It's one that you love. We love it. I know a lot of people come watch the football games because they want to get away from all Everything. that happens mm-hmm. in their everyday life. And you know what? Sometimes the players want to get out there and whatever is going on in their lives, they know between the lines. Right. That's where they feel the most comfortable. So hopefully we can get to that point. Then again, you'd be an ostrich sticking your head in the sand if you're not paying attention to the issues. Now, the one thing that the owners discussed as well, which I think is going to have even bigger ramifications, but I don't think we're going to talk about it as much, but I think it's going to because we're going to have to see how it plays out is the new helmet rules. This could be groundbreaking for what could happen. Well, what really about could. what about kickoff rules? Kickoff rules. The kickoff is going to look different. Yes. No running start. Yes. A lot of close contact and then more athletic players involved with the kickoff to make it just a more athletic play and not a high-speed collision type of play. I think in some sense that's wishful thinking. To yeah, think probably. that it's going to be limited. some of it. Because think about it, if you got a returner back there that's uh, you know, six foot, two hundred pounds, mm-hmm. and he runs four three. He's getting ahead of steam, right? Right. Well, if those players, they're obviously going to try and be in a condensed space for blocking. Well, if mm-hmm. one of those guys misses a block and that guy just comes scot free, he's on a dead sprint and they're having a collision. So, from that standpoint, I think those things will be lessened because I think there are a lot of collisions that happen uh, with the two man wedge or whatever they had going on in the last few years. So, I think those will be minimized. I still think the collisions are going to be fairly scary on mm-hmm. kickoff, no matter what rules they put in. But I think this does lessen it a little bit. But I think the helmet rules and how that changes the run game, yeah. how that changes uh, breaking tackles as a runner, how that how that uh, making a tackle in the secondary, you're coming up from the secondary, how you can make a tackle, I think all of that is going to change. I think the game changes significantly over the next five years because of this. Don't want to use the helmet as a weapon and we were joking about it yesterday, that seven-on-seven league where they don't yeah. use uniforms at all, no hel- no helmets, no pads. Yep. And somehow they survive, I think. But that's what happens. Yeah, they survive. The Spanktown boys are doing very, very well in that league, <laughs> by the way. Boys. Mark, appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Johnny. 
Coming up next, David Quesenberry joined Mark and I. We'll have that for you right here on Texas All Access. Welcome back, everybody, to Wednesday edition of Texas All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Glad to be with you on this wet day. I know it's been wet in a lot of different places. I actually got out a little bit today at lunchtime. Kids got exams going on. Man, you know, when I took exams, I didn't mind taking exams. Exams to me were always sort of easy. Oh, man. As a parent, kids taking exams, it's a nightmare, man. Holy smokes. I wish moms and pops would have told me about this way back when, but kids are finishing up school, getting exams done. Oh, man. It's ugly. It's algebra two. Oh, I was tutoring all night. Took a break to watch the fourth quarter of the game. Thank God I did. It was, oh, it was so tough to follow the game and go, oh, the Rockets are down. Oh, my God, hard had a great second quarter because I'm watching all this kind of on my phone as I'm trying to do some tutoring on Algebra 2. And then finally it was like, can I take a break? And I'm like, yes, you can take a break. I haul upstairs, go to my office, turn on a game, watch the rest of the game. Man, what a fun one last night. The Rockets getting the win 95-92 last night in Oakland. And now they come back home. And two out of three series with two of those games being in Houston. It's got to play even better. But as I said in the first segment, playing a different style. Seemingly last night in the fourth quarter, tough. A tough win. And if you think about it, I said this on Triple Threat earlier today. It wasn't like there was this this landmark just, boom, this huge blow. A huge uppercut or large overhand. It was a, it was combinations. It was like, pa-pow. It was like, pa-pow. Then it was like three-punch combinations. Pa-pa-pow. And it just started to take its toll. And before you knew it, you had taken up a number of the rounds, and in the last round, you essentially took their heart because they were taking such bad shots. So congratulations to the Rockets. That was uh, really fun to see. All right, let's get back to it with a guy that everybody in this city knows, everybody respects, everybody reveres, and a guy that has proven so much, and that's David Quesenberry. Bill O'Brien said to me when we were at the Senior Bowl, and we just kind of did an all-encompassing interview. We hit on everything. We are talking about Deshaun, we were talking about Hopkins, we were talking about the Senior Bowl, we talking about rookies, we are talking about everything. And my last question to him was, Coach David Quesenberry, and I just that's all I got out of my mouth. And he goes, Johnny, he goes, do you realize? He goes, I know you do because you're in a building, you get it. But I don't even know that I got it. He said, do you realize what this guy went through and he got himself back on the field to play NFL football? And it sort of kind of jolted me like, yeah, wow. Because there was a time where I felt like, David, I just wanted to be a football player. But in some sense, he's always going to be cancer survivor and NFL player, David Quesenberry. And he's that's something I know when he hears cancer survivor, he knows what kind of goes with that, which, what he had to get through to get to this, to not play football, just to live. But he got through that. He's an inspiration to so many people. He is so fun to talk to, and Mark and I had a chance to catch up with him last week. Joining us right now in the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio, it's David Quesenberry. David, how's it going? Excellent, guys. Good to, good to be back. All right, we're not going to ask you anything about your past at all because this is all about football. It's all about the now, isn't it? Right about now. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> this does, is, it's going to be a big year. How does it feel out there? It's, it's exciting. Right? Yeah. Honestly, like from all the time that I've been here, there's a different vibe in the building. I mean, I don't know if you guys can feel it or not walking around. Like, mm-hmm. There's a different vibe in this place, and, and it's motivating, man. It's exciting. David, I know it's two games, but how valuable were those two games to you at the end of last year? Oh, it, was, it was beautiful, man. It was, 
you know, it's, it's what it's what we had worked for. It's what we had yeah. gone through the whole time, mm-hmm. and and uh, it was it was perfect. You know, it was really cool. It was on Christmas. It was nationally broadcast, so mm-hmm. people who have been following me all over the country, they all could see it, and uh, and and it and it went really well. How I always wonder this when when guys get into an NFL game for the first time. Now you've been in preseason games, so yeah. that's one thing. This is the Steelers on Christmas night, Christmas afternoon. How was the speed of the game at that point? Did did it the first play sort of whoa that went really fast, or did you kind of get settled in really quickly? Um, well, yeah, I mean, game speed is it's the fastest, yeah, you know, around. But uh, I I felt at home, man. I felt really good out there. I, I I was like, this is where you're supposed to be, and and uh, you know, I was I was happy with the way I played. How did it change your off season having played in those regular season games? Oh man, I didn't want the season to end. You know, we were rolling. <laughs> it was like as soon as the season was over, like I'm right back working out, yeah. like excited. Just wanted, I wanted more, man. And and it was to have a full off season, mm-hmm. like to train and and do it. You know, I I, I feel fantastic. Yeah, because you haven't had, you've never had this kind of off season, really. No, having just played, having exactly. said, yeah, I can be on an NFL field and I belong there, and now I'm ready for the off season. Get ready for the exactly. next year. I hadn't had that, so it's like a whole off season just. Got my nutrition dial, strength dial. Like it was, it was a lot of fun. I'm gonna imagine offensive linemen. The focus is obviously got so big and strong. Everybody talks about that, but we've talked with with other offensive linemen I have over the years, and there's always a different focus. You know, some guys want to cut a little bit of weight because they want to be a little quicker. Some guys want to bulk up a little bit. What was the focus for you this off season? What did you really want to focus on on your body getting ready for the 2018 season? I just wanted to get like strong as strong as hell. Like I want to get as strong as I could. Um, and then also like get everything moving, moving right. Yeah. Like it's all the know, levers moving. Exactly. Everything, want, everything yeah. working, working, working right, working together, strong and, uh, coming back in here, just ready to translate all that to, you know, this season. David Quesaberry joining us. Now, you came in with a lot of versatility on the O-line and, and it's always been part of your repertoire. So what about that this year? Because you have a lot of new guys and a lot of different possibilities up front, really. Tons of possibilities. Lots of new guys, tons of possibilities. Um, and I'm I'm ready to go wherever. You know, Dev, Dev pulled me aside this morning. He's like, hey, you know, we got you working left guard, but right guard too. Like, you you, you got you to gotta be ready. And I am. You I want to be that guy. You know, I want to be that guy that they can be like, hey, we, 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 need, we need something done. Okay, quiz, can you handle that? Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Down to senior bowl, I met this guy uh, named Scott Quesenberry. Relation? Yeah, yes. could be. Could be. Related. I mean, that's probably could easy be. to say. Uh, he, he was very interesting to talk to. I mean, he's very he's very open. Obviously, the younger of the – I'm sure you laid a few beatdowns on him. I'm sure the Quesenberry family growing up, there were probably <laughs> some pieces of broken furniture. One, one or two, yeah. Yeah. Watching him go through the draft process, what was that like for you as big brother David to little brother Scott going through that draft process? Um, and then he gets drafted by the Chargers of all teams, where you guys are from, from San Diego, but of course yeah. in L.A. Well, that was cool. Being yeah, the Chargers, like growing up, you know, we all would just wear our junior sale jerseys yeah. everywhere. So it was kind of like, oh man, it's, it was kind of a full circle deal. But no, it was cool to be that guy. Just it's such a unique process, and it only happens one time. Yeah. And having him see me go through it, sit through the draft, go go through all that, you know, he kind of knew what what to expect. It's it's it can be nerve-wracking and 
that if you let it be. Right. Like, man, you're sitting there waiting to get drafted by an NFL team. Like, yeah, you got to wait. And maybe you think you're better than this guy or yeah. this team passed on you. But, like, you're you're gonna you're gonna find a home and it's gonna be and it's gonna be the right one for you. So just try to enjoy the enjoy the process. And he did. We had a we had a nice fun party at my parents' house and and, and, and we we enjoyed the day. David, new sports performance coach, strength coach, really Luke Richardson. How is it different with him? I love it. You know, I, I was just telling the guys before I came in here, like coming in every day, it's motivating because you can feel the changes by the end of the workout. Like you can feel. You know your body more mobile, more explosive, more um, almost like connected when you're moving, and uh, and when you can see results like that quickly, it just it's addicting. It's motivating. And the nutrition stuff, because it's not like there was fast food restaurant in here before, yeah. but you know it was healthy stuff. But it just seems to be different in there now. You right? like it? I do. I like yeah. it, man. I'm, mm-hmm. It's changed I, us, man. You walk in there, it's all organic. I mean, I eat, I eat peanut butter and jelly now. I eat the power seed bread. Yeah. I never ate that before. And now it's I love it. The power love seed it. bread's like my favorite one. It's fantastic. It really is. Killer days. Yeah. It, <laughs> I mean, it's it's changed. I mean, Coach O'Brien's talked about that as well. David, you since you got here in 2013, and I mean, you've, this team's kind of run the gamut. 2013 is 2 and 14, and then you've seen it go 9 and 7, 9 and 7. And last year, obviously, went to 4 and 12. There's a lot of talent in this locker room. There's experience in this locker room. It feels like this team could really do something special this year. What does this team have to do to be able to take that next step, in your opinion? I mean, you've seen it in a different way. Then you've been on the field with these guys. What's the key to taking that next step? Um, I mean, there, there's tons of keys. Uh, but, you know, a big one is is everybody getting back, you know, how dialed in, healthy, Ready to roll because I mean when we're when we're going at full strength, I don't think there's a team in this league that wants to go toe to toe with with the Texans. Um, and then the offense is just about it's just about that precision and and you know we're putting in a lot of a lot of a lot of I'm not gonna say too much, but like we're putting in a lot of a lot of good stuff that yeah. is gonna be really hard to defend and uh, and and that's exciting if we get that precision down, that timing down, and, yeah. and everybody on the same page like. It's, it's, we're going to be a dangerous offense that can score a lot of points. Can't wait. David, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, guys. I tell this story all the time as it pertains to DQ. His head coach at San Jose State, Mike McIntyre, is a guy that I've, I've known for a long time due to the fact that I coach with his dad. So I've known of Mike for a long time is the way I should say it. And I interviewed Mike on my national show a number of years ago. And I asked him, because I was in Houston, I said, hey, coach, Texas has drafted David Quisenberry. What can you tell us? He said, John, he's the best leader I've ever been around. This guy had been in the NFL. He had been at San Jose State. He had been at Vanderbilt. He had been at a lot of different schools and places, NFL, college. David Quesenware is the best leader he had ever been around. That's pretty amazing when you think about it. It was really cool at the Senior Bowl to catch up with his brother, Scott, and see the respect that Scott had for his older brother, which sometimes you don't have that with older brother, younger brother. Sometimes older brother just has a chip on his shoulder because he's been beaten down his entire life in some sense. Scott, you could tell, had so much love and respect for his brother. It was really, really cool. And I obviously know that goes both ways, David, for his brother. Scott, who one day could be the starting center for the L.A. Chargers. We'll keep an eye on that from afar. No Chargers game this year. But if we do play the Chargers, it's good because we're playing them in the playoffs. That'll be kind of fun. So there you go. All right, we got one segment left. D.P. Sidhu was out at OTAs, has a great little recap and write-up with some social media, some interviews, some videos, some photos. She got a little bit of everything. She'll give us her thoughts on OTAs next right here on Texas All Access.